You're listening to Humanity's Human, a podcast where I talk about whatever I want, and today that means Shakespeare's play Othello. Exam season isn't exactly around the corner, but I want a head start with English and there's nothing like public validation, I mean helping others, which motivates me. This episode we will cover general character and theme analysis, but it is by no means a comprehensive guide to the play. I'm not an educational professional, I'm 16, and the real purpose of this episode is basically for me to listen to while I go for a walk. Anyway, on to the summary. Othello is a play written by William Shakespeare in 1603. It is a tragedy which follows the story of a black army general from Venice called Othello who is at the height of his career. He is a commander of the most powerful army in the world and married to the woman of his dreams, Desdemona. However, his second in command, a man named Diago, seeks to take revenge on him for some unknown reason and therefore he manipulates Othello into believing that Desdemona is cheating on him with a man named Cassio. Othello allows jealousy to consume him and kills Desdemona. These events take place on the island of Cyprus, where Othello was meant to take his army to do battle with the Turks, but the enemy ships were destroyed in a storm, leaving all of the characters in Cyprus with nothing to do for the duration of the play. Now, let's get on to character analysis. First and foremost, we have Othello, the protagonist of the story and tragic hero. The audience's first impression of Othello is not from actually seeing him, but interpreting the conversations about him. In the very first scene of the play, Iago and his friend Rodrigo disparage Othello in explicitly racial terms, calling him, amongst other things, a Barbary horse and thick lips. They use racial language to try to define Othello not only as an outsider to white Venetian society, but as being less human and therefore less deserving of respect. When the audience actually gets to see Othello, it is demonstrated that he isn't the monster we were led to believe, but rather a poised, level-headed and rational man. Shakespeare puts a lot of work into portraying Othello as virtuous and sensible, and this is important because it helps to show how much Iago's manipulation affects and changes him. In order to be a tragic hero, Othello has to have a fatal flaw, but academics still argue about what it actually is. Some study guides will assert that jealousy is his fatal flaw, because he allows the idea of Cassio having his way with Desdemona to eat away at him, but others suggest that Othello's own insecurities are what ultimately destroy him. Is jealousy the same as insecurity? In this instance, no, but we'll learn more about it later. Secondly, we have Othello's wife, Desdemona. She is a high-born Venetian woman and the daughter of a senator. It is also important to note that she was the one who pursued a relationship with Othello. Desdemona essentially represents purity and the male fantasy of a perfect woman. She is innocent, but also desirable. She is beautiful and smart, but not too smart, can't have that, and supports Othello in every way that a good wife is expected to in Shakespearean times. Again, Shakespeare exaggerates this image of Desdemona in order to prove just how effective Iago's deception is. It can ruin this image of a perfect woman and turn her into a cheating, lowly whore. Desdemona's father, Brabantio, is a character who is shown briefly and his role in the play is essentially to disapprove of Othello and Desdemona's relationship. Upon learning of their marriage, he basically takes Othello to court and accuses him of performing black magic on his daughter because he can't see any other reason why she would choose him. This then gives Othello the opportunity to reveal their love story, as well as what a well-spoken and respectable man he is to the audience. Desdemona has a handmaid who basically looks after her and brushes her hair because she's absolutely loaded, and her name is Amelia. 
Amelia is Iago's wife, and what we can infer from that is that she's pretty smart. Even though we're not up to Iago yet, I can tell you that he is incredibly intelligent. And so it makes sense that he would choose a wife who could match, or at least entertain, his intellect. For that reason, Amelia is one of the most perceptive characters in the play, both because she is smart and has been married to Iago for so long. Amelia represents a more modern woman, one who is loyal to the truth and justice rather than to the men in her life, and so she is the first character who exposes Iago for the terrible person he really is. Next is Cassio. He is framed by Iago to be courting and seducing Desdemona. Cassio himself is a very insecure character, and because of that he allows Iago to basically direct him around. He was already good friends with Desdemona from the beginning, and this setup is a good opportunity for Iago to exploit. Because Cassio and Desdemona already spent a lot of time together, it would not be difficult for Iago to make them continue and just twist the context to make it look like they were sleeping together. Iago plays Cassio by getting him really drunk one night and then showing his disorderly behaviour to Othello who fires him. Then Iago plays the friend, telling Cassio that he knows how to get his job back. Iago tells him to ask Desdemona to talk to Othello instead of going to Othello directly. This results in Othello hearing Desdemona talk about Cassio almost non-stop and advocating for his job, which makes Othello really suspicious. The lack of proper explanation for why Desdemona wouldn't shut up about Cassio was filled by Iago's whisperings that they were sleeping together, which seemed like a reasonable solution for Othello at the time. Much of the conflict in the play could have therefore been avoided if Cassio had just gone straight to Othello. Cassio himself has a love interest, whose name is Bianca, but their relationship is pretty one-sided. It is suggested that Bianca is a prostitute who has fallen in love with Cassio and won't leave him alone. Cassio is embarrassed of her throughout the entire play, and it's kind of tragic how her reputation means more to him than her personality. But again, we'll talk about that later. Another side character is Rodrigo. He is in love with Desdemona, and the play opens with him accusing Iago of cheating him out of some money. From the very beginning, Shakespeare is already showing how slippery Iago really is. Basically, Rodrigo follows him under the impression that Iago is going to give him an opportunity to be with Desdemona. This is, in actuality, at the very bottom of Iago's priority list, and so he just uses Rodrigo as another tool in his plan to take down Othello. Finally, we have Iago himself. The villain of the story, he spends the entire play enacting a malicious plot to destroy Othello. The question is, why? The answer is, no one really knows. Most study guides will tell you that Iago is salty because Othello passes him up for promotion and promotes Cassio instead, but that isn't the only sign that Iago has something against Othello. He also claims that Othello has slept with Amelia, which suggests why he would want to make a cuckold of him in return. Shakespeare also presents the possibility that Iago is just an evil person who does evil things, and this is the scariest theory of all because acting so maliciously without motivation suggests that Shakespeare believes there is such a thing as true evil. This may sound unrelatable to a modern audience, but I think a person who acts despicably with no motivation and yet no remorse is someone who we would all be scared of, think like serial killer vibes. So anyway, that's all the main characters that we have to worry about. Now let's talk about the themes. I have seven of them. Number one, jealousy. This is what appears to destroy Othello. At the beginning of the play, he considers himself, quote, one not easily jealous, unquote, but this is later shown to be completely untrue. Jealousy is something that Iago considers himself an expert in. 
having rehearsed it in his relationship with Amelia so much that she believes jealousy and being a man are basically the same thing. Compared to Othello, however, Iago's jealousy game is pretty weak. Even he doesn't anticipate the devastating effects that his actions will have. Iago even warns Othello against jealousy, claiming, quote, it is the green-eyed monster which doth mock the meat it feeds on, unquote, meaning that jealousy is a self-serving creature which torments its victims. Jealousy forces Othello's mind so tightly around a certain idea, the idea that Desdemona has betrayed him with Cassio, that no other explanation can change his mind. He becomes so obsessed with her infidelity, and this obsession eclipses any semblance of reason that had been so carefully constructed at the beginning of the play. Only upon killing Desdemona does he realise she is innocent, and that shock causes him to see his life in proportion once more, and grieve for the terrible thing he has done. Unlike Othello, Iago is immediately shown to be a jealous character, right from the very first scene where he complains to Rodrigo that Cassio has been promoted instead of him, even though, quote, I am worth no worse a place, unquote. Later, he also hints that his hatred of Othello is rooted in jealousy since there are rumours that Amelia has slept with him, which he states when he says, quote, he has done my office, unquote, and claims that Othello is, quote, betwixt my sheets, unquote, which basically means he slept with my wife. Iago explains that even the hint of this possibility completely enrages him, stating, quote, I know not if it be true, but I, for mere suspicion in that kind, will do as if for surety, unquote. It seems that his jealousy is so intense, he doesn't need proof of this infidelity before punishing Othello for it, which is exactly the same way Othello reacts when he finds out about Desdemona's supposed cheating. Neither of them put effort into finding the truth, rather taking information at face value. Therefore, Iago decides to seek revenge by using jealousy as a weapon against Othello, quote, practicing upon his peace and quiet even to madness, unquote. This suggests that Iago knows, perhaps from his own experience, that jealousy is a form of psychological torture which has the capacity to drive Othello mad. In this way, Iago causes Othello to suffer just as much as he does. As noted by some scholars, Iago's motivation is most likely seeking revenge upon a master who has kept him down, be it by sleeping with his wife, passing him up for promotion, or defying all codes of Venetian society by being successful as a black person. Or perhaps Iago is simply evil with no motivation, as we already discussed. If his problem is with Othello, then it makes little sense as to why he would drag Desdemona into his plan, threatening, quote, I will turn her virtue into pitch and make the net that shall enmesh them all, unquote. A counter-argument for this would be that Iago is in fact gay and in love with Othello, and so he's trying to get Desdemona out of the way. And believe it or not, there's actually some evidence for this, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, I wouldn't really recommend the Iago is evil argument in an essay unless the question is asking specifically about whether he has motivation. In my experience, it's best to just steer clear of that argument that is pure evil because it requires more reasoning and effort to prove and it's way easier to pick jealousy as his motivation. And to any overachievers listening, because I know you need to hear this, the evil argument will not get you more marks. Theme number two, prejudice. The most prominent form of prejudice on display in Othello is racial prejudice. 
As we've discussed, Iago and Rodrigo start the play by identifying Othello using his physical features and signalling to the audience that he is a black man. When they go to Brabantio to tell him what Desdemona has been up to, they say, quote, an old black ram is tupping your white youth, end quote, and use other sexual animalistic imagery like that, Desdemona and Othello are, quote, the beast with two backs, end quote, to describe their union. In Venetian society, life was heavily based upon keeping up facades and seeming pure and perfect, and therefore, for Iago to get into the details of sex is considered quite horrific and jarring. As I'll discuss later, he takes advantage of this shock factor and uses it to manipulate others. Iago accuses Othello of being a, quote, black devil, end quote, and this forms the backbone of Brabantio's case against him, as in Jacobian times, black was associated with evil doings, witchcraft, the devil, and death. Othello himself seems to have internalised this prejudice. On a number of occasions, he describes himself in similarly unflattering racial terms. His image of himself has been incredibly warped by the mirror of society. Hashtag deep. This is shown when Othello says, quote, rude I am in speech, end quote, despite having given the most eloquent and illustrious speeches of the play up to that point, which shows that he does not have high self-confidence or an objective knowledge of who he is. When he believes that he has lost his honour and manhood through Desdemona's supposed unfaithfulness, he quickly becomes the kind of unrational animal or monster that the white Venetians accuse him of being. Theme 3. Appearance versus Reality The tragic plot of Othello hinges on the ability of the villain, Iago, to mislead other characters, particularly Rodrigo and Othello, by encouraging them to misinterpret what they see. Othello is susceptible to Iago's ploys because he himself is so honest and straightforward. As Iago puts it, quote, The more is of a free and open nature that thinks men honest that but seem to be so, and will as tenderly be led by the nose as asses are, end quote. Here, he is comparing Othello to a donkey and condemning him for being so accepting of what information is presented to him, allowing himself to be guided to conclusions by others instead of reaching them himself. This is how Iago is able to manipulate him so easily, because Othello doesn't put up a fight in the face of information that is displeasing. In contrast, Iago understands very clearly what is going on, stating, quote, I am not what I am, end quote. Othello's gullible nature is shown through how he allows Iago to give context for situations that he cannot explain. Desdemona promises to get Cassio his job back, stating, quote, I'll intermingle everything he does with Cassio's suit, end quote, which basically means she's going to chew Othello's ear off about Cassio. This shows her loyalty to Cassio. However, it also brings dramatic irony into play because the audience knows that her constant discussion of Cassio will be perceived wrongly by Othello and seem evidence of a romantic relationship. Desdemona's certainty here that she has influence when it comes to her husband also brings about a more progressive ideal that there is some form of equality in their relationship, but we'll talk about this later. Basically, this situation of Desdemona consistently discussing Cassio is given context by Iago when he whispers to Othello that perhaps they are sleeping together, and so it suddenly goes from this thing that Othello doesn't understand to something he thinks he understands quite well. Iago claims that in Venice there are, quote, many a civil monster, end quote. Othello is already represented in this way from the beginning by being discussed in racially prejudiced terms but being respected nonetheless. But here, Shakespeare posits that perhaps Iago is the civil monster in the story, 
Perhaps the entire time when the characters were worried about an outside danger, a black sheep, the true danger came from within. Iago's ability to disguise himself in this way causes Othello to think he is, quote, a man of honesty and trust, end quote. Almost every time he is mentioned, Iago is hailed as the pinnacle of honesty and what it means to be a good friend. It's very ironic that he states, quote, men should be what they seem, end quote, whilst misleading everyone around him. Throughout the play, Shakespeare experiments with the idea of unreliable reality in a number of ways. The language of the play, which time and time again refers to dreams, trances and vision, constantly highlights that what seems to be real may actually be fake. Even when referring to vision, this suggests that we are seeing things from an individual perspective and not holistically. In addition, Shakespeare extends the theme of appearance versus reality to include the art of playwriting and acting. As he develops his plot against Othello, Iago creates scenes within scenes. He sets up encounters between two characters and puts a third in the position of a spectator. For instance, he has Othello watch Cassio and, Des and Desdemona speak, and he has Othello observe Iago's discussion with Cassio and Bianca. In each case, Iago manipulates Othello so that he only sees what Iago wants him to see, rather than what is actually happening. In this way, Iago becomes a kind of director. He even directly addresses the audience through his many soliloquies. And Shakespeare draws attention to the way that a playwright and actors create an opportunity on stage that tricks the audience into seeing something other than reality. Number four, masculinity and honor. Throughout the play, various male figures seek to assert and protect their manhood and their honor. Based on how others address him, it is clear that Othello has attained political power through his military might, and therefore his reputation precedes him and is the reason why white people respect him. The subplot in which Iago gets Cassio drunk and causes him to humiliate himself also indicates the importance of, quote, reputation, 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 end quote, as Cassio puts it. In fact, Cassio asserts that reputation is all that makes you human, stating, quote, I have lost the immortal part of myself, and what remains is bestial, end quote. This shows how insecure Cassio is without the facade of his job and demonstrates how important reputation and the mere appearance of honor and virtue were to Jacobian men. Cassio is obsessed by how people perceive him, which mirrors the shame that Othello experiences at the thought of cuckoldry and refers back to Othello's statement that the thought of Amelia sleeping with Othello was enough for him, even though he did not know it for a fact. All of the men in the play are obsessed with being perceived as virtuous and good, but only the women delve into the concept of true morality. In an immediate response to Cassio's complaints, Iago pretends to disagree, stating, quote, Reputation is an idle and most false imposition, often got without merit and lost without deserving. Unquote. Perhaps referring to how he felt about his own reputation when Cassio got promoted instead of him basically just comforting himself and saying his reputation isn't that big of a deal anyway. Later, however, Iago agrees that reputation is more valuable than anything in the world. Quote, good name in man and woman is the immediate jewel of their souls, end quote. Another way in which men define their honor is their ability to control women. In act one, Iago and Rodrigo call Brabantio's honor into question, blaming him for not being able to control Desdemona's romantic and sexual impulses. Later on, Iago drives Othello to question his own manhood, indeed his very humanity, by making him doubt whether he has any power over his wife. In, dis 
despair over his suspicions about Desdemona's infidelity. Othello laments, quote, a horned man's a monster and a beast, end quote, demonstrating that in his view, to lose control of the woman in his life is to lose control of everything that makes him human. Without his honour, he sees himself in the same terms that the prejudiced characters do, as an animal. Quote, be sure thy prove my love's a whore, show me the ocular proof, end quote. Othello demands proof because he doesn't want to seem like a fool, and this is the first time we see him refusing to be led like a donkey. He tells Iago, quote, Thou hast better have been born a dog than answer my naked wrath, end quote. Meaning that if Iago were making up Desdemona's infidelity, Othello would respond in the worst way possible. Unfortunately, this was all too little, too late, and there is no instance in the play where Othello actually questions his reality properly and digs to the truth. Shakespeare again hints that perhaps Othello did not belong in civilised Venetian society after all, as he increasingly exposes his violent tendencies. This begs the question, was Shakespeare being racist here? Those arguing yes would point to the fact that Jacobian times were not exactly kind to people of colour, and that consistently depicting Othello as an animal doesn't seem like Shakespeare was a massive ally. However, we have to remember that words and their connotations meant different things then, than they do now. That is to say, the comparison of light and dark in Shakespearean times did not necessarily have connotations of good and bad, rather of the self and the other. As in, light refers to oneself and dark refers to everything around us. Taking this into account, it could just as easily be interpreted that Othello was written to be a black character in order to symbolise that he was an outsider in his society. Through this lens, Othello can be interpreted as a play which explores the effects of alienation and how it increases personal insecurities. The question of racism doesn't really have a conclusion here because I just thought about it 10 minutes before actually recording this, but it's definitely important to consider in an essay. Number five, womanhood and sexuality. Two contrasting images of womanhood dominate Othello. One, the virtuous and loyal woman embodied by Desdemona, and two, the whore embodied to a certain extent by Bianca. Yet over the course of the play, it becomes clear that these two different ways of describing women do not actually apply to them in real life. Instead, they are male fantasies imposed on women, ideals that women are encouraged to fulfill by men, and therefore these roles are purposefully played by women for men. Desdemona is a quote goddess unquote who is described as white and pure and chaste, all of the qualities that men look for in a woman, submissive and obedient. But on the other hand, Bianca, as a supposed woman of the night, represents all of the desires that men have for women, but she is also condemned for them. Cassio states that he does not wish to be seen with her in public. Thus, Shakespeare argues that no matter how women are perceived, men in a patriarchal society will always find a way to condemn them. It is important to note that the women in the play are indeed still representations of male perceptions and ideals. For instance, Desdemona often describes her devotion to Othello in front of other people, underscoring that even though she does love him very deeply, she is, to a certain extent, playing the role of the virtuous wife. Iago then stokes Othello's jealousy in part by forcing him to realise that there is no way for a man to tell the difference between a truly virtuous wife and one who is just playing the role of a virtuous wife while secretly being an unfaithful whore. However, what sets Desdemona and Othello's relationship apart is that, at least in the beginning, it is one of genuine equality and respect. Whilst 
Iago treats his wife like a glorified servant. Othello freely admits that Desdemona is the leader of their relationship, as she took the initiative to pursue, quote, that which she could not bear to look on, unquote. In Jacobian times, it was customary for the woman to remain passive followers who awaited arranged marriage, but Desdemona is shown to possess the strength of someone who knows what she wants and is willing to pursue that. As a consequence, Othello is spoken down to by Iago for seeming subservient to his wife, and this links back to that idea of jealousy because he's making Othello feel as though he doesn't have control of her and that their power dynamic is actually the other way around. So Iago refers to Desdemona as, quote, our great captain's captain, end quote, and, quote, our general's wife is now the general, end quote. Desdemona is described in this way by Iago and it provides some insight to his motives. Perhaps Iago's misogyny does not allow him to respect a woman in any position of power, and instead results in fear and hatred towards her. Iago is also, again, emasculating Othello by suggesting that his wife is actually in charge of their relationship. But why does Othello treat his wife so much better than the other men in the play treat women? I would suggest this is because Desdemona is essentially his ticket into high Venetian society. By marrying Desdemona, Othello has elevated his status from a simple Moor to essentially a nobleman and the son of a senator. Othello himself can hardly believe that Desdemona would stoop below her rank and choose someone who is so clearly a commoner, stating, quote, she has eyes and chose me, end quote. Meanwhile, Iago's wife, Emilia, complicates this simple contract between the woman of virtue and the whore. Initially, she does want to please her husband, and does so by stealing Desdemona's handkerchief when Iago asks. Yet, she is not wholly loyal, and even tells Desdemona in Act 4 that she believes many women, including herself, would cheat on their husbands under certain circumstances. So this shows that she embodies a little bit of each stereotype, and it's Shakespeare's way of showing that women are a little bit more three-dimensional than the caricatures that men want them to be. So in response to Emilia saying that women would cheat on their husbands under certain circumstances, Desdemona states, quote, Beshrew me if I would do such a wrong for the whole world, unquote. Her naivety is extremely ironic, considering that this is exactly what Othello thinks she is doing, even though she thinks a woman cheating on her husband is completely unimaginable. It is this pure obliviousness that ultimately makes her unable to foresee that Othello would doubt her faithfulness. Iago uses several stereotypes about women to convince Othello that his wife is an adulterer. The stereotype in Jacobian society was that Venetian women were promiscuous and lacked traditional morals. It is this stereotype and prejudice that contributes to Othello's suspicions that his wife is, quote, false as water, unquote. Iago uses this to his advantage, sowing the seeds of doubt into Othello's mind, especially hinting how she, quote, has deceived her father and made thee, unquote. One of Iago's most common tactics for manipulating people is invoking explicit sexual imagery, which I mentioned earlier. Iago suggests that the ultimate ocular proof of Desdemona's infidelity would be to, quote, behold her topped, unquote, using the same sort of explicit sexual wording to shock Othello as he did Brabantio at the beginning of the play. Even though Othello refuses, Iago makes sure that this image will remain in Othello's mind for the rest of the play. It is the most important pestilence which is poured into Othello's ear. This clear awareness of the conservatism of the time demonstrates that both Iago and Shakespeare understood how mentioning sexual acts could shock people into turning a blind eye to the rest of the argument. 
Amelia eventually proves her own independent virtue by defending Desdemona and revealing her husband's crime in, in the process. So whilst womanhood in Othello is, therefore, often defined by men in simple terms of pure virtue or deceptive sexuality, the play ultimately shows that real women are far more complex. Finally, theme seven, love. The concept of love is represented in several different ways throughout Othello. First and foremost, we have romantic love. Othello is referred to as having, quote, his soul so infetted to her, Desdemona, with love, unquote, by Iago. Iago quite obviously doesn't have many good things to say about Othello's relationship, given that he is trying to destroy it. He believes that Othello is shackled to Desdemona's love, completely enthralled by her, allowing her to have influence over him as the, quote, captain's captain, unquote. Instead of viewing their deep love for each other as beautiful, Iago considers this to be weakness on Othello's part because of his misogynistic views about women in society, particularly Venetian women. Iago uses this weakness to tear Othello's confident and noble exterior apart and manipulate him according to his plans. Othello is also infetted to the idea that a woman should be pure, which is why being a cuckold is deemed such a disgrace, coupled with the fact that he places his own reputation on such a high pedestal. Othello says to Desdemona, quote, I do love thee, and when I love thee not, chaos has come again, end quote. Now this is some big foreshadowing. This quote suggests that whilst Othello feels the best kind of love for Desdemona in the beginning of the play, it has the potential to become the worst kind of anger, destruction, and murder. The intensity of their relationship is highlighted here because he suggests that if anything were to go sour between them, it would be absolutely explosive, and Iago is aware of that. Othello says of Desdemona, quote, She loved me for the dangers I had passed, and I love her, she did pity them, end quote. And honestly, I think his insecurity is showing here. Loving someone simply for listening to your stories sets a pretty low bar. Anyway. Desdemona's deep infatuation for Othello renders her unable to believe that he would ever harm her, and despite growing angry and slapping her in public, she never condemns him for his actions. It is to such an extreme extent that even at death's door, she blames herself for Othello wishing to strangle her to death. This is Shakespeare's way of commenting that love can often blind us. Iago refers to love multiple times throughout the play, often to men who he is meant to be friends with. He says to Othello, quote, my lord, you know I love you, end quote. Now, guys, is it sus to tell your friend that you love them? Weak scholars would argue that this does not refer to romantic love, but rather respect, loyalty, and devotion. And that's the path I would recommend you take in an essay, but we all know the truth. Iago recognizes that he has a duty to Othello, but he is still playing mind games. Perhaps Iago is motivated to expose Othello as a black man to be exactly as he was described in the beginning of the play, a black sheep, an outsider whose color is associated with secrecy, deception, witchcraft, the devil, and death. Iago says to Othello, quote, I am your own forever, end quote, which again, is it sus to tell your friends that you are their own forever? It gets better though. This scene, known as the temptation scene, features Iago and Othello kneeling in a manner which symbolizes marriage. For real guys, is it sus to marry your same gender friend? I need to know. It is from this scene forward that Othello's loyalty and love tilts further towards Iago and away from Desdemona. It is interesting that despite the premise of the discussion being that Desdemona is having an affair with Cassio, Othello does not recognize that he is, in a sense, cheating on her himself by devoting himself to Iago in this way. 
Or maybe he knew exactly what he was doing, I don't know. Anyway, Iago also claims to love Cassio in a respectful way as well. The love, or supposed love, that men in the play bear to each other is demonstrated by Shakespeare to be stronger than the love shared between a man and a woman. Both Othello and Cassio are more obedient and loyal towards Iago than they are towards the women in their lives. Cassio, for example, is dismissive of Bianca and her sexual promiscuity, despite her genuine affection for him, demonstrating the Jacobian ideal that sexuality was something to be ashamed of if you were a woman. Therefore, Cassio is eager to listen to Iago without truly questioning whether he has his best interests at heart, and thus blindly goes to Desdemona instead of directly to Othello. Amelia represents what a modern audience might call a feminist. She says of men, quote, They are all but stomachs, and we are all but food. They eat us hungrily, and when they are full, they belch us, end quote. Amelia challenges gender stereotypes and is, in many ways, the antithesis to Iago despite being married to him. It is clear that her sharp mind is a reason for their union. In contrast, Desdemona represents everything that the men of the time wished women would be. Even after Othello strikes her and accuses her of being a strumpet, she says of her own body, quote, I am preserving this vessel for my lord, end quote. Here, Desdemona shows herself to be giving up her personal autonomy for the pleasure and use of a man. Shakespeare shows how devotion because of duty can be blinding to what one actually deserves. So, at the risk of an anticlimax, that is all for today. I hope you learned something, and if this episode is at all popular, maybe I'll make some more English content, I don't know. Also, don't forget to leave this podcast a review, because I think that helps me out. I don't know, that's what they say on all the podcasts. And until next time, this has been Humanity's Human.